which is into the more, um, which is very fitting for a new year, because you've got new opportunities. Um, and so there's into the more. And so I want to start off with a scripture this morning, and I'm going to read for us um, out of Hebrews 11, verse 5, and it says this. So by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he could not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, and we know the scripture so well, without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Amen? Beautiful scripture. Let me pray fast, and then we'll get into it. Father, we want to thank you this morning for your word. And we want to thank you this morning, God, that as we come to your word, that we're not coming to empty words, but that we're coming to the living word. Words that have been shown and proven over and over to be faithful and true. And so I pray this morning that as we come together, and as your word speaks to us, God, that, that we will find faith, faith to run and almost in a sense be like Enoch, to be one that is commended for being, having pleased you, God. And I pray that that's the outworking of your word, that that would be found in us, that we would come in a place of faith and that we would please you. And we, we want to say this morning, God, that you are worthy. You are worthy, God. And we declared this morning that we love you. So would you come and work in us in this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So people joke, or at least I do sometimes, like you want to be like Enoch, you want to Enoch, Enoch, my Afrikaans is coming through, you can see Helen's face, um, it's like, uh, but sometimes you want to walk and be no more, because like, it's beginning of the year, and everything is getting back on, and you feel, felt like you want to be on holiday forever, and some has not even been on holiday, they've just grafted, and for them it feels like, I want to be like Enoch, and walk and be no more. Just, Lord, let me rest. I mean, who feels like that in the beginning of the year? Yeah, come on. I know you're there. Here we go. And so it's quite a common thing for us. To, at this time of the year, you kind of felt like it's the beginning of a new year. The birds are chirping. It's like the grass is green, sort of. But like this possibility and these opportunities that are lying ahead for us. And you go, it's like a whole new year. I think that's kind of what we should be doing. But for most of us, we're going like, it's a whole new year. A whole new year with the same thing again. Hey? <laughs> Is it just you? Not... And I, I find myself sometimes getting a little bit overwhelmed with having to pick things up again, having to do work again, having to get into the routines of things again, having to go like, oh, what am I doing this year? And it becomes overwhelming. But in that process, it's kind of like we find ourselves in this natural groove of where we actually look back at the year that has been and try and assess, what did we do? How did we go? Did it go well? Did we fail at it? 
or did we nail something? And hoping that you'll find something that you can go, at least this year, it will be better. Amen. Are you there as well? Not? Yo, we've got to get used to responding again, eh? I'm going to make sure, like, just these moments of stand up, do a squat, and then sit down, okay? Just so I can get your, keep your attention. But we come into this place of where we look at the year that has been, and we go, like, it, it's been a good year, or it's been a bad year. And for most of us, we want to kind of look at the year and go, man, it's been a good year. But I've seen very few people come out of an old year and go, man, 2024 is going to be so amazing because 2023 was off the hook. It can just get better. <laughs> it's usually a thing of hopefully 2024 can get better because I'm at the bottom of the barrel. And that kind of gets me thinking and asking questions of like, how do we really assess these things? Is it even something that matters? And I think there should be something of us asking, and in some sense not looking back, but assessing what lies behind, so that we can also adjust to what lies ahead. But sometimes it kind of like feels like God is just wanting us to survive. Survive this life. But don't worry, one day you're going to find heaven and then it's going to be peace. And you hear the preachers of, it's the time for more. God is calling us into the new, the new song, the new land, promised land, land of milk and honey that Brett spoke about. And you go like, man, that sounds kind of tiring. Lord, just help me survive. Like, I'm going to hold on here. I just want to keep my salvation and hold on till you come back. But please, come back soon. And he's like, yeah, I said it 2,000 years ago. I'm coming back soon. <laughs> See, I don't think God wants us to just survive. That's not who he is. He doesn't just survive. He thrives in everything. And because we are his people and we carry his DNA and we carry his, in a sense, his blood running through our veins, he's called us in the same place to thrive no matter what the situation. So, I'm going to give you a good scripture that everybody knows. Everybody has it at least once on their Facebook wall, probably on your fridge. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Hey? <laughs> for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Now this scripture has been mutilated through every kind of hyper grace, deficient grace, like any form of grace person. And people just hold on to this and they make this thing sound like, okay, I can survive because my future and my hope and God, like, but this scripture actually points to what is in God's heart towards us. 
And it's not just in God's heart towards us so that we can all never suffer, that we can just have peace and milk and honey like the Israelites wanted and was promised. But it's actually that in every situation, regardless of what is going on, that we would know that even the worst of things happening around me is still under the umbrella of God just wants the best for me. And so if I've got to face this thing, it means that there's something of God to be found in this difficulty, and it's actually going to be good for me. It's going to bring hope in my heart, and it's going to give me more hope for the future that lies ahead. It's God's heart to His people. And he, we all know the story of the Scripture. It's like God has just sent they weren't found there. He sent them into captivity. And as he sent them into captivity, they captive, they made slaves. And in that place, God is saying to them, hey, I've sent you there, but don't worry. I love you. Don't worry. I've got good plans for you. It's kind of like an upside down. Amen? See, I believe that God wants me and you and as we sit here this morning, and even though he's not thinking, okay, it's 2024, let's see what we have for this year, like we do. Now, God is looking at the beginning of time, and he's looking at the end of time when he's coming back. And he's going, my sole purpose is to get my children with me in eternity. He's not thinking year one, year two, 2024, 2020, covid He's not thinking years. No, he's thinking eternity. And so God's heart for me and for you is that there's a hope in our heart for a future where we are with him completely. Where we are back to the place we intended for us to be, which is with him. The psalmist speaks this word, and he says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Psalm 84. And when I think about my hope and the future, and I look at just Scripture and the story of God throughout Scripture, I see this one thing come through, that God's plan and His purpose for me and for you is that we would be with Him. That we would be in his presence, seeing him, knowing him, loving him, being with him, walking with him, talking with him. Is that we would be with him. That is where he's going. So then when I look at that and I think of the scripture of better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. It leaves me with a different question in the way that I look at the year that has gone and the way that I look at the year that comes. See, the year that lies behind me now becomes something of where I'm asking, God, did I please you? God, have I been in your will? Not, God, did I make more money or did I nail my job and am I worthy of that car or worthy of that promotion or worthy of that new position, more influence? 
I'm not meeting my success on those things. No, I want to meet my, my, my year based on God. Did I please you? Did I find you in your presence above everything else? And in everything, did I find you? Did I please you? Have I been in your will? Because then regardless of how my year looks, that has gone past, whether it was difficult, whether it was absolute, just like fighting battles and fires. And if I have found God, if I pleased Him, and if I've been in His will, then it must mean that I'm positioning and posturing myself towards the future and the hope that He has set out for me. And therefore, it means that my year that has gone past, regardless of how difficult it has been, what difficult it was, I'm in His will. So now the question actually becomes, God, have I been in your will in this past year? And God, what is your will for this year? God, how do I find your will in this next year? And so, this morning I want us to look at that. And there's a actually story, I didn't say to Brett what I was going to be preaching on, but he actually gave a nice introduction for what I preached on. So well done, Brett. You can hear the Lord, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> well, at least I can now hear the Lord. <laughs> I want to look at the Israelites. Because I think we very much, we know the story of they have been in captivity for many centuries. And then Moses came, like Brett was speaking, and God spoke to Moses and said to Moses, Hey, you need to get my people back from Pharaoh and go into the land. And we had the ten plagues and everything else. And then the Red Sea that was parted. And so the Israelites escaped Pharaoh and Pharaoh and all his men and was washed up by by the Red Sea. Not the Red Sea, the Jordan, the Red Sea. Yeah, the Red Sea, sorry. But then starts this journey where they come into the desert. The reason they found themselves in the desert was because God promised them the land of milk and honey. And obviously where they were at in Egypt was not the land of milk and honey. It was the land of eat, ground, and be slaves. The Israelites were fed up. They were going like, is our God still alive? They were moaning, going like, has God forgotten us? And God comes and He saves them. And now they're in this process of we are marching to the land of milk and honey. If I get into my car and I say to my girls, okay, cool. We're going to go somewhere special. We're going to go to the beach. It doesn't matter whether the beach are five minutes away or whether it's a half an hour away. 10 seconds, the car has not yet even started. Are we there yet? Because they are so excited. They want to go to the beach. They want to go do this thing. And I can think of the Israelites. They have been centuries and centuries that they've, not yeah, decades, 
that they've been in the land of where they've been slaved, they've been, they've been absolutely humiliated and mutilated. And here comes Moses, takes them out. They see the Pharaoh and his men being washed away. And they're going, we're going to the land of milk and honey. They were frothing at the mouth. Can't wait to get there. And something else happens. A journey that would have taken four, oh, 11 days, 11 days, ends up taking 40 years. That's devastating. Right? And I wonder, for some of us, if we're not in the same process, we God has promised the land of milk and honey, but we're finding ourselves in the desert, going around and around and around. So let's look at it. Exodus chapters 1 to 12, we kind of like see God come and he takes the Israelites out of Egypt, promises them the land of milk and honey. But then they've been traveling for just a little bit more than a month. And they come to Mount Sinai, and Moses is getting the, the tablets, and a whole bunch of things are happening. And this happens, Exodus 32. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain... The people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods, we shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And then skip to verse 7 and 9 and says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I have commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and worship it and sacrifice to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked people. They've been for a little bit more than a month been taken out of the worst of worst situations. And in a month, they've gone from being free, God is taking us to the land of milk and honey, to completely denying God and going like, we want a golden calf right here where we can see him, where we can make it in our own image. Completely forgotten about what God has done. About what he has said. Numbers 11. Just jumping a little bit here. In this process of the people being at Mount Sinai. And being in the desert. Obviously they went. They escaped Egypt. So it's not like. Everybody had their caravans and packed up all their house and their beds. I don't know. Maybe it was like that. I can't imagine if you're fleeing that you're packing the whole house. 
It's like you've got a go bag because you need to go quickly. And so supplies and these things were things that were in short supply in a sense. And so God comes and God gives them manna from above. Like during the night, the dew would fall in the desert. And in the morning when they wake up, there would be manna for them to eat. Like can you imagine something more miraculous? That you're in the desert, there's nothing. And here comes God and he provides food for you to eat. And somehow, you still find a way to go like, man, God is full of nonsense. We're tired of him. He's not providing for us. He's not, we're finding a way, we're going to make a golden calf. Numbers 11, 46 is this. Now, the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, oh, We had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. Hello. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and garlic. But now our strength is dried up. And there is nothing at all but the manna to look at. They've been taken out of decades of slavery. It's been a month. And they're going like, this desert, this land of Mokanani, I don't want it. I'm willing to go back to slavery. They long for Egypt, long for the meat they could eat. It's not that good. So my question to us this morning. Is God possibly providing manna for you right now? And you look at the manna, and you go, oh, it's just the manna. I'm actually longing back to the place of captivity, where I had meat to eat, and onions and garlic and fish that was for free. I'm willing to let go of God, let go of His plans, let go of His purposes. Because what we have in front of us right now doesn't feel all that future and a hope, no evil towards us. Numbers 14, the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them. And so for you and for me here this morning, are we recognizing and believing the signs that God has done? When you look at the year that has gone past, have we recognized what God has done? Have we recognized where God came, saved lives, even here? Touched lives. I'm thinking just even of uh, Michaela. Like, when we've seen God move in people's lives, where He's given babies over and above things, finances, sickness, 
And maybe it's a thing of even for you that, man, maybe God didn't heal you of a sickness. Or maybe there wasn't finances that came through, as you hoped. But you're still here. God is still looking after you. He's still the one that's keeping you. Why are we going like, man, this is so tough. We just have manna. We would love meat. We would love the fish. I want to go back to the place where I'll be a slave just as long as I can have me. But the Israelites had freedom. They had their God leading them. Now, I want us to understand here, being in a desert, it's not like a thing of you're just comfortable. (laughs) It's very hot in the day, scorching hot is a reason why there's nothing growing in the desert. And at night, everything that has grown in the day gets frozen over at night. It's like super hot, super cold at night. And you look, as I was reading through the story, it's just like, whoa. God led them by day by a cloud. Can you, can you think of that? A cloud in the desert. There's no such thing. And so it means that possibly they could have walked in the cool of the desert. And at night, what did he lead them by? A pillar of fire. Can you think of that? Like actually, like in the coldest of moments, God comes with a pillar of fire. And allows him to be there, to thrive there, for people to be actually strong, because he wants them to also take in the land of milk and honey, the promised land. And yet, they still come and they say, like, God, when they asked for the manna, uh, for the, um, when they were moaning about the manna, it was around about, I think it's about a, like a few days. In a few days that they were in the desert. And they're going like, we can't do this. We can't just eat manna. And so God comes. And he gives them quails every day. Gives them meat to eat. And bread. Like he delivers it. It's better than checker 60-60. I don't know what all the others is. It's like it gets delivered there. And it's not just you have to keep for today. No, it gets made fresh for you next morning. But yet they find a way to go, Lord, we need a golden calf. We can't do this. So my question to us this morning is how do we then recognize what God is doing? What he's doing in us, around us. And then how do we use that? Because this year, I believe God is going to come and bring a great increase to us. Because God never stays in the same place. He's always moving. He's always growing. He's always expanding. It's who he is. He's full of life. He is life itself. And life that stagnates is not alive anymore. It's dead. 
No, life that is living grows and it extends. And, and so as we come into this year, we don't need a word from God to say that God is going to increase to us. No, His nature, because of who He is, we will find our increase if we are with Him. It's how we define our increase that makes the difference. And I believe for us this year that God has called us to remember what He has done, to look at the things, we, how He's brought us here. And as he, we have seen that and we recognize it, that becomes faith that stirs up in our hearts and points us to an even greater future, to an even greater hope in our hearts, to an even greater belief. That's what he said to Moses. He said, to him, how long will these people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? In spite of all things that I've done among them. It's like God works in us and through us and around us so that we can see that His Word is true. That He is who He says He is. And that He's going to do what He set out to do and what He said to us that He's going to do. Does that make sense? So this year, I believe it's for us to be like Enoch. To be one that pleased God. He didn't please God by murmuring, complaining. No, he pleased God by the faith, by his belief in who God was and taking God by his word and walking with it. And I think there's a couple of things there that I want to just show us how do we this year then be in that place of where we recognize what God is doing and allow that to build our faith up so that we can move with God and be with what He's doing. Amen. So I'm, gonna ending, I'm ending off with this. And we know this very well. <laughs> like the Scripture says, there's no new thing under the sun. Three letters. A, B, C. <laughs> to start, we've heard this teaching. ABCs of Jesus, you and me, <laughs> abide, belong, and contribute. The absolute ABCs of our Christian faith, of this walk that we have with God. Abide. What does that look like? See, if we're not spending time with God, it is very difficult to then recognize when He is moving around us. Because there's no knowledge of Him. There's no experience of Him. There's no, how this makes sense, but there's no smell of Him. There's something about the, the presence of God that's got a certain fragrance to it. And when God starts moving, it's like, at least this is what it is for me, it's like that fragrance picks up and I go, that's God. God is busy doing something. I might not understand. I might not be able to explain what's happening. But man, there's a recognition. There's a fragrance. There's a, a something that I'm picking up. It's God. But it's because I spend time with Him. I recognize that fragrance in my secret place, in my heart. And for many of us this year past, we've come to the place of where we actually 
Sunday to Wednesday to Sunday, we're busy with the things of God, and we're speaking to the people of God, and we hear what God is doing around us without ever really tasting for ourselves. And it ends us up in this place of where God is moving and He's doing things. And we're unable to recognize that it's Him. That's why Jeremiah 29, He had to tell them, Hey, I love you. I've sent you into this captivity. It's for your own good. It's for you to know who I am. It's for you to to understand that my words are true. And you're unable to see it. So let me tell you. My plans for you is to have a future and a hope. It's not evil. It's so that you might come to know me. And you can reach out to me. It goes on, verse 12 and verse 13 in Jeremiah 29. It says, you will go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Abide in him. We've got to find the fragrance of God. Because then even when things are going crazy and God is working all around, because we don't recognize Him, all these things will just go over our heads and we'll just be the one standing in the room and going like, huh? It's noon of the day. Why are these people drunk? Abide in Him. It's in Him and it's through Him. As we abide in Him, We find that place of belonging. And it's not about belonging to a church or a club that we can say, hey, I belong here. This is my family. No, it's not not just about that. That is a part of it. The biggest part of belonging is this, that I am now with Him. And I am part of Him right now. And as I'm part of Him, it makes me part of everyone else that forms part of Him. It brings me into a place of where I have, for the first time in my life, understand my true purpose and the true plan with my life. See, outside of Jesus, you can't find a purpose. Outside of Jesus, there is no plan for your life. There is survive and die. It's only within Jesus that we find life. Because it's like a toaster can't toast if it's not plugged into the wall. You can throw people with it. You can bang a nail in with it. You can do all kinds of things with a toaster that's not plugged in, but can't toast the bread. Huh? Only, (laughs) I don't know why the toaster came up. (laughs) It's only when we're plugged into Jesus, when we are connected to Him, that we can truly fulfill the plan and the purpose for our life. It's the only place where we can come alive. And you might think, Rian, I don't think you know what you're talking about. That's okay for you to disagree with me. But when I look at the Israelites... When I look at Enoch, I saw that they believed God. And I'm saying the word of God says that in him is life and the only life. And so I will believe God. And I will live my life in that way. And I'm saying to us as church, when we come and we abide in him, 
will find a belonging. We find church. We find family. And more than the relationships here, which is amazing. And this amazing, you are an amazing group of people that I'm so excited to be part of. But as much as you are beautiful, you are nothing compared to Him. And being part of Him is everything. And so I'm coming into a place of belonging in Him. And then lastly, as we belong in Him, we find this place, Ephesians 2 verse 21, it says this, in whom the whole structure, and it's talking about the church, being joined together, belonging, every part that is connected, abiding in Him, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. They become a body, His body. In Him, you also are being built together, belonging to one another, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. See, together, as we're being built together, as we find our belonging in Him and find our belonging with one another, we come to this last place of where we contribute. Regardless of if you think that something in your body has no purpose or no function, I want to say to you, every part, every cell in your body has a function. It's got something that it's busy doing. Over this holiday, we went away um, for this one weekend with friends. And the Saturday, the friends started like getting like stomach aches. And he went on and went on about this thing. And the Sunday morning, he was just like really suffering. And it got him to the place of where he couldn't even pack his car. So I initially thought he just wanted me to pack his car. So I packed his car for him very nicely. But later on, it actually came out that his appendix burst. Now you think that your appendix can just be taken out. And many people, I don't know, maybe there's some people with less body than others, less appendix and stuff. I still have mine and my tonsils, so I'm a full body. <laughs> but we might think that that tonsil or that appendix has no, has no purpose in our life. But man, when that thing was not doing well, it took this young guy that's strong and healthy, and it, it made him really weak. Three days he was down. He was in hospital for three days. And so what I'm trying to say with this is that there's not one part of the body that has no function. There's not one part of the body that is not busy working right now. So if the body is like that, I want to say to you, when God speaks in His Word about the body, it means that for me and for you, everyone that is part of this body and part of His body has got something to do. Some work to do. You have some function that you need, need to do. And so as you abide in Him, you find the fragrance of what He's doing. As you smell the fragrance, you become part of Him. And you realize that as you're part of Him, that He's busy doing something. And so because that's where His body is going, you are going with and you are working with Him. And as you are working with Him, you find actually... I want to know him even more. 
I want to belong to Him even more. I want to belong to His people even more. I want to contribute even more. And as we abide, and we belong, and we contribute, we come into the more. And when we come into the more, recognizing what God is doing is the thing that the fuel that stirs our hearts to say, Lord, thank you. Lord, you have been faithful. Lord, you are good. And now, God, we want to say to you, as your people, come and do even more. Can we close our eyes? So as our eyes are closed, I want to read you a scripture. Hebrews 13, it says this. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you, that's me and you, with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God, this is our prayer this morning. That you will come and work into us. So that we will be able to know your will. And that in knowing your will, that we will give our lives so that they are pleasing in your sight. So that it will be like Enoch. And same, so many of those who have gone before, that we have pleased you, that we have found your heart and we pleased your heart. God, help us this, this year to do your will. And just as our eyes are closed, maybe this morning you're here and you're visiting with us. And there's something of a New Year's resolution that you put out. And saying like, this year, I want to change my life. I want to say to you this morning, the only thing that can change your life is Jesus and Him alone. He's the one that calls us out of darkness into a marvelous light. He's the one that changes us, takes our brokenness, takes our ashes and make it beautiful. And so this morning, I want to say to you, if you are here this morning and you want to change your life, I want to invite you to come and allow Jesus to work in you and give him your life so that you can find that fragrance of his love, that you can abide in him, become part of his body and realize that you too have been made with a purpose. You've been made with a plan to play a part in showing his glory to the world.